The Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, episode number 31. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 31 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. I am your host, Ben Brown, co-founder and CEO of BSL Nutrition. Today, we interview Allie Gilbert. Allie is the founder of her personal online coaching brand, Metabolic Golf. She's a partner at the Greenwich Diagnostic Sports Lab and the director of performance at Clay Health Club and Spa in Port Chester, New York. And most recently, Allie was named Golf Digest, one of Golf Digest's top 50 golf fitness professionals. Today on the show, Allie and I dissect uh, the importance of testosterone and measuring testosterone levels in men, especially men over 40, but how men even uh, earlier than 40 in their 20s and 30s are suffering from low testosterone, why they're suffering from low testosterone, what the environment has to do with it, what our lifestyle, what our sleep, what our nutrition and training has to do with it, and how to overcome some of those obstacles through nutrition, training, and lifestyle. Allie's a pretty uh, unique gal in that she is focusing on men's health. She's a trainer and nutrition expert, and uh, so I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. If you do, then the best compliment that we can get is for you to leave us a positive review, subscribe on iTunes, and please, please, please share this with your friends who you think could benefit. With that said, I'll turn it over to the show. I hope you guys enjoy. Today's episode is brought to you by my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition. And this is a shameless plug for our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. Complete Essentials is the only all-in-one exercise drink that's scientifically proven to boost your energy and recovery with no artificial sweeteners, no stimulants, no coloring or fillers, and also tastes great. Make sure you stay tuned after the show where I'll share a nice little discount for all of our listeners on your first purchase of the Complete Essentials. Allie Gilbert, thank you for coming on the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. So Allie, you're in Greenwich, Connecticut, and you have a personal training company. Um, Talk to me about kind of what you're doing on a daily basis. So um, I train mainly uh, golfers, mainly men, um, 40 and over is kind of my demographic. And I work out of a health club called Clay Health Club and Spa in Port Chester, where I am the director of performance is my title. Um, And I train, you know, the guys here. And I also am a partner in a business that does uh, blood work. We sell blood work. One of my partners is a doctor and we have another partner who's our managing partner. And basically um, I have access to labs every single week that I'm able to read um, and kind of understand the biochemistry aspect of training and the impact that it has on people's health, specifically men's health, which is my uh, niche, so to speak. Okay, cool. So are most of your clients kind of just recreational golfers? Yes. A um, couple club professionals, um, but mostly very high-powered CEOs, stressed-out mm-hmm. guys who uh, pretend they're on the PGA Tour. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, I've, I have plenty of experience training golfers over my time, and it's actually a great demographic to have because they certainly have the money to train consistently, but also they'll do virtually anything to get better at the game. And so... Um, it's always fun because you can be like, you know, let's strength train, let's hit it hard. And as long as they understand, like, this is something that's going to contribute towards improving their driving distance or stability or, you know, ability to stand over a putt and uh, then they're down. So yeah, big time. We have nine country clubs alone in, in Greenwich. So, and that's, you know, excluding um, the various clubs in Westchester County, New York, which is right next door. So a lot of my guys belong to multiple clubs. Um, so it is a very lucrative area to be in and they do take it very seriously. So that was kind of, you know, you and I are very similar strength and conditioning backgrounds where everybody wants to work with athletes, but it's kind of hard to niche yourself with that. And this is a way to work with athletes um, who can afford to train. I as love you it. Mentioned. Yeah. So it's, it's a fun group and I do, you know, a lot of them are actually very challenging and difficult to work with because they're used to 
getting certain things a certain way and being the one who to call the shots in their career. And this is something they do not know. So um, I like that challenge. I like the difficult ones. So yeah, that's great. So how did you fall into the niche of not only working with golfers, but working with uh, kind of exclusively males? Um, It just naturally happened with working with the golf niche because men typically seek out golf fitness um, women, not so much, even though there is the aesthetic and fat loss aspect of it. But um, that whole training for golf is something that interests guys more so than women around here. And training more and more men, naturally, I was into nutrition and understanding how that affected them. And so we have training, we have nutrition. And then there's this whole other area that um, kind of never got enough attention in men's health, which is testosterone levels and understanding the truth behind that. And it's never been such an issue as it is now. So 20 to 30 years ago, you know, our grandfathers um, didn't have low testosterone levels as often as men do right now. Um, And I think it's over the past few decades, 20 years, it's declined 17%, which is a lot. And um, even LabCorp and I believe Quest actually lowered their range from low end to high end because of the trend of men having such lower levels lately. So undertaking that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be an advocate for men's health and basically learn as much as I can. So, you know, I figured it's a a cool workaround being a female specializing in men's health, you know. Um, Also, it gives the guys some sort of comfort in the sense that, okay, a female is talking about, you know, maybe having erectile dysfunction is normal among some people these Mm -hmm. days. Feeling a certain way is normal, you know. So if a girl doesn't think it's, you know, a weakness, then maybe it's uh, accepted a little more. And I understand a lot of guys would rather talk to a man about it, but a lot of my guys have been very open and, and grateful for being able to talk about that. Yeah, well, I would think that, especially being a 40-plus population, a guy that's pretty comfortable financially, pretty you know comfortable with who they are at that point in their life, then it's kind of a situation where it's like, you know what, I mean, I'm here to get better, and I'm obviously working with someone that knows what they're talking about, and that's part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show, because you do specialize not only in nutrition and functional diagnostic nutrition, but the whole, um, you know, testosterone area as well, and so that's what I wanted dive into. Now, why is it something that's has become such an epidemic? And, you know, what kind of what are the symptoms that people should be, you know, that men should be looking for? And when should we be concerned? So a lot of it has to do with our environment. Um, You know, maybe 10 years ago, when everyone started using plastic, or sorry, started using glass, to carry food and water in, it was like earthy, crunchy, like, oh, you know, they're kind of a weirdo. But now it's actually like, this is reality where the plastics are really not good for us because um, of the xenoestrogens and things that basically melt into food when you heat stuff up, um, as well as, you know, makeup products, um, you know, women using birth control they use birth control and they use the bathroom and that gets excreted in the urine, the estrogens and it's in the water system. Pesticides, like all that stuff is actually, okay. Yeah. That is having, you know, a a big impact on us and the obesity epidemic, um, the fatter, the more body fat that somebody has, the more, the lower their estrogen or the lower their testosterone is likely to be because in body fat lives, an enzyme called aromatase and aromatase takes the testosterone and says, I'm going to turn you into estrogen and I'm going to have a lot of activity because I'm hanging around in your stomach and the body fat where men tend to deposit it. And, you know, if you look at at places, I always say Disney world and Walmart are great examples because you start to see more of a female fat storage pattern in men where it's around the hips and the thighs and, it's kind of a very estrogenic body, the man boobs and stuff like that. So um, that, you know, is part of the obesity epidemic because now that increases the national BMI, even though we kind of know that's a BS number because mm-hmm. you and I are probably obese, but, right. um, you know, 40% of Americans are obese. I mean, that says something. So 
So there's, there's a lot of things that you just touched on that are really relevant. And, and the first being that what you're saying is our environment is strongly contributing to, uh, through, basically through the consumption of xenoestrogens. So we're getting all of these chemicals from our water, from our food, from the, from plastic water bottles, from, yeah. you know, from our environment. And it's because of those. Now those have the ability to do what to testosterone. They're basically suppressing testosterone levels. So they're, they're known as endocrine disruptors. And basically they will enter your body and mimic an estrogen or mimic, um, not really mimic testosterone, but they'll mimic hormones in our body where our body basically in English gets confused and then it can start producing more estrogen and, and there's different types of estrogen, but some of them are worse than others because they're carcinogenic and our body will start to produce some of that. And basically it doesn't know how to get rid of it as, as well. Um, and a lot of that is based on our diet, you know, micronutrients specifically and how many people get enough vegetables. And, right. You know, so what do you say to people that, because we, you know, we classify these as toxins. What do you say to those people that say that the body naturally detoxifies itself and, and there's, you know, maybe no such thing as toxins. There's, there's no such thing as detoxification. Um, it's more, yes, naturally, you know, we have our liver for a reason. We sweat mm -hmm. for a reason. Um, but a lot of people, impair the ability of the liver to detoxify because alcohol and a mm -hmm. crappy diet. And a lot of people don't work out enough or, or get enough of a sweat to cause that type of detoxification. That's why infrared saunas are really good. It also helps like the mineral balance in the body. Um, but getting in, like it always comes down to getting in good whole foods will help your body naturally get rid of this stuff. And there's a couple supplements that you can take that can help excrete yep. um, some of the bad estrogens, but it's understanding what exposure you're placing yourself under to what and stuff like that. So um, to answer your other question regarding what do I tell these guys about, you know, the signs is a lot of them will present with signs of depression because feeling lethargic, um, you know, low muscle mass, inability to put on muscle mass, drop body fat, um, any erectile dysfunction, or just the overall feeling of malaise, that will get confused by a lot of doctors with depression, and they will get scripted in antidepressants. So um, low testosterone co comes with those same symptoms. So Okay, yeah, that's, that's really, that's really helpful information. And so and so the other part is that, you know, you had talked about sort of a, a demasculization um, or, or basically men are becoming more feminized and, and, and that has a lot to do with or is, is um, evidenced by kind of body fat storage patterns. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what do we start to see? What, like, what should what men start to see um, that is telling them that we're getting more of the aromatase, um, testosterone conversion, stuff like that going on in their body? Um, I would say one of the biggest indicators would be uh, growing man boobs and yeah. increased body fat. I mean, those are the most basic. Um, I always, you know, go over morning wood in my talks. I have a slide of a tree holding yeah. coffee. It says morning wood. So if you're not experiencing that every morning or it's not as strong as it used to be, then that could be an indicator as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that's, that's a huge first sign that, I mean, I can't tell you how many guys I've consulted with over the years that it's not even like, I didn't even know that I was supposed to have that. Yeah. Yeah. You'd yeah. be surprised. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, it is actually shocking and, 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 so to put more relevance to what you're talking about is the number of men that I've worked with that are still in their 20s and have been prescribed testosterone therapy, are on low thyroid medications, um, all of these, these signs that testosterone is, is being depleted and, and that their body's not producing in, in optimal amounts. 
um, it's, it's pretty darn significant. So in addition to the environmental aspect and, and let's, you know, assume that, um, that they're not overly, you know, they're not obese. What are some lifestyle factors that are further contributing if there's anything else to the suppression of testosterone? Uh, stress. (laughs) That would be probably number one, at least with my demographic, but I, I think we can safely say it's most people. Um, so it, it come down, comes down to the Goldilocks rule of you want enough exercise, not too little, not too much, uh, enough food, not too little, not too much. Um, and we're so bombarded now with technology and stimulating, uh, things like the blue light and checking mm-hmm. email, checking Facebook, you know, I'm guilty of that. Like, you know, right before I go to bed, uh, uh, yeah. um, you know, if you read something on Facebook, like your friend pisses you off, that that's a stressor. Um, so that triggers those stress hormones to, uh, elevate. So, um, I forgot where I was going with this, but just um, the, the, the stress response and how oh, it yeah, contributes yeah. to low T is something that's pretty significant. The, the lifestyle factor. So a lot of, you know, when I come in, when I have a guy come in for the first time and, you know, before I screen him, we sit down and talk and I ask obviously all the lifestyle questions. How much sleep are you getting? Are you on any medications? Are you taking any supplements? Um, how many days are you week? Are you working out? What is their output compared to, all right, what are you eating? You know, I have people log food for at least a week. Um, what are they taking in? And I have a lot of guys who they want to do metabolic workouts like every day. Um, mm. They would do it all day, every day, because it makes them feel really good. That's great. Uh, but how about, you know, maybe go take a walk is really what they need or a nap. Um, mm. But that's not sexy and nobody wants to talk about that. So the biggest lifestyle thing that they can do right away would be go get 10,000 steps in a day and maybe strength train three days. So let's cut the volume, increase the amount of vegetables and walk. And that does wonders. I mean, I've had even some of my online clients where you know, if they're sleeping three, four hours a night, I'm like, dude, you are not going into the gym. You're just going to walk and sleep. And yep. like, oh my God. I'm like, I understand you're paying me to tell you to walk and sleep, but that's <laughs> what you need. And that's then all of a sudden, boom, they drop some body fat. They feel better. Their libido comes back. So, you know, it, it's putting on the brakes and understanding that, yes, there is too much of a good thing. So, so, so let's say that, I'm a male listening and I have some concerns that I may have low testosterone levels. What's the first step that I should take to identify that? Get blood work. And, and, and within the blood work, so I go to my doctor and I get blood work and what are we looking for? So you want to, you want to get kind of a, an idea of what's going on because total testosterone levels doesn't really tell the whole story. And it would be great if that was a normal um, number on the panels that you get when you have a physical, but it's not. We want the testosterone total number. We want the free number because that's the number that's actually usable. Um, You know, we want estrogen. We want prolactin, progesterone if it's possible, um, sex hormone binding globulin, which is a glycoprotein that will snatch testosterone and bind it up. So... If that's really high, then you're not going to have as much free testosterone. Mm -hmm. And then thyroid, because thyroid and testosterone correlate very highly. And when you get the whole picture with that, and then you compare it to lifestyle factors, well, a lot of the production of thyroid hormone occurs in the liver and the gut. So that, that depends on, all right, is there nutrient intake good? Are they drinking a lot of alcohol? Um, Are they really impairing their liver's ability to actually do its job? And you start being able to connect the dots because just, you know, if somebody has a lower testosterone, you don't automatically think, okay, well, maybe I need TRT. It's all right, let's address the lifestyle issues first because maybe this person doesn't need therapy. And sometimes if you dump therapy on top of a crappy lifestyle, they may feel better, but you still have the crappy lifestyle and then going down the road, they're just going to need more testosterone, which isn't the answer. So they really have to fix the underlying lifestyle factors first. 
Yeah, for sure. Because I've had, you know, multiple people that have started TRT um, from their medical doctor and they've just gotten fatter, haven't noticed any change because they haven't changed the underlying lifestyle factors like you talked about. So we'll, I, I'd love to get into kind of what those, um, you know, what kind of some of the steps that you take, what are the big needle movers for them, but whether, you know, as it relates to nutrition training and, and lifestyle, and we talked about a couple of those, but going back to getting the blood work, it sounds like that the things that you're looking for, it's beyond just the total and free testosterone. You're obviously looking at some other markers. Now, are those markers that most conventional doctors are looking at? No. Um, and that's because, A, it either is not covered by insurance, which insurance usually covers a general physical, uh, or B, they don't understand completely how to interpret those numbers. And if they do run those labs, they may treat you like a number and say, well, you're in range, so you're okay. Now, testosterone range is quite large. And I mentioned earlier, um, LabCorp has lowered theirs on the initial low end and then the high end. So it can range from 250 to 1100, depending on the lab. So if you're a man who's 33 years old and you get your testosterone tested and you're 290, you may get a doctor who says, well, you're in range. Exactly. He still feels like shit. So that's a problem. Um, or you may get a doctor who says, oh my gosh, you're, you're in range, but you're really low. Let's put you on TRT. Right. Well, that might not be the answer either. So, so just because you're in the normal range, like just because you're in the normal range doesn't mean that your testosterone production is actually normal. Inherently, the, the range in and of itself is an issue because it's yeah. so expansive. And it's also an average of everyone in America, including sick people. So it's not optimal. Normal is not optimal. And my guys, I want them optimal, right? They're, they may not be professional athletes, but you don't need to be a professional athlete to be functioning optimally as a man. And, and that's, that's something I tell people to ask their doctor when they say, well, I'm scared. I, you know, what if I ask my doctor to run test levels and he doesn't? And I say, well, then you need a new doctor. But if he asks why you want that, just say, I want to know if I'm functioning, functioning optimally as a man. And, and you'd be surprised. Like some, some guys have come back and said, well, my doctor says I look like I'm functioning fine. And I'm like, oh, my God. Right. Like, really? Like you can tell, Oh my gosh, that's a superpower that I need. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have that gift. Um, yeah. I always talk, I always talk about when I'm talking with clients about our conventional blood work norms is our, our average norms are that of Homer Simpson. I mean, that's the average American, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we really need to start looking for optimal norms. So if, for, for those that are listening and that may have had, may think they have normal ranges, where can we go to get a more comprehensive diagnostic look at what's really going on? Uh, so you can start by asking your doctor to run certain labs. And then from there, either um, he will interpret it properly, or you can find a different professional to interpret it for you. Um, you know, naturally I will say like, you can go to my company's website and we sell these tests online. Mm -hmm. Um, cause there's all different types of tests. There's urine tests, there's blood tests. Um, and the, the urine test that we run is called the Dutch test. And that goes a little bit deeper into the conversion, um, from cholesterol all the way to the metabolites of testosterone and estrogen. So, but you know, that's not always necessary. It's more, all right, do we think there might be some sort of conversion issue? Um, but some, you know, it is tough to find a doctor who gets it. Um, I, I've been lucky that my partner, he's 40, you know, he totally understands it. Um, there, you know, it, it's something that you have to be an advocate of your own health. You can't really trust the doctors that are in network and it's not their fault necessarily because um, they have to see by law like 30 to 40 people a day. They have to go write the notes on those people and report to the insurance company. So, you know, the last thing they're going to want to do is read all this new PubMed studies that have come out and all the sure. research. So, um, you know, I was watching uh, Jay Campbell and Jim Brown last night doing a, 
a podcast in one of our Facebook groups. And, you know, they were saying that you can't really depend on a general practitioner to give you the ammo or the results that you want. You have to go to a specialist because we see specialists for everything else in our life. Why wouldn't we with a doctor? So if you need heart surgery, you're going to go to a cardiac surgeon. Uh, you wouldn't go to an orthopedist. So when you need testosterone, you want somebody who specializes in hormone replacement or anti-aging. So anti-aging is usually a term that will lead you down the right path towards somebody mm -hmm. who understands what you're looking for. And it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to an anti-aging clinic, I'm going to get testosterone. It's somebody who understands, do you actually need this? Are there other factors that we need to address before we put you on therapy? Because therapy is great and it works really well for a lot of guys, but there are options. You don't have to go straight to TRT. You can use other things, anti-estrogens and stuff like that, but it's, it's understanding what's appropriate for the person. So yeah, and the, and other, you know, the conventional doctors don't have time. They have 15 minutes to, you know, discuss, right. like, discuss stuff like that with you. So they're going to be looking at the piece of paper, like, okay, well in range for this, you know, normal for this. All right. Maybe normal low, uh, you know, I don't know. And usually they have a huge gut anyway, so they're not going to be addressing lifestyle and exercise because it does require a lot of intake. I mean, someone sitting across from me saying, I want to drop body fat. It's not that simple as saying, all right, let's go work out. It's right. so much more than it used to be because we used to be way more active. We used to eat much better food. So it's not like that anymore. So we really have to take in consideration everything that is the person's going through. Yeah. So. And so what are, what are some of the kind of lifestyle, nutrition, training factors like that you would utilize with the majority of your clientele? I mean, I guess for a first question would be what percentage of the typical clientele that you see is needing or using uh, testosterone replacement therapy? The percentage, um, uh, I think I have four guys who are on it. Um, okay. Keep in mind, my guys are 40 and up. So somebody who's 20, 30 years old, and if they have test levels below 500, then there's something else going on. Um, they would not necessarily be a candidate right away for TRT. So maybe, yeah, like three or four guys. And it's done wonders for them. Um, you know, it, it's helped their ability to just perform at work and bed, you know, all that stuff. Um, because it is the male hormone. It's the winning hormone. It makes you feel like a man. So there's nothing that, that it should be shameful about being on testosterone replacement. It's just like any other medication. It just gets this demonizing mm -hmm. um, effect from the media. So it, it literally, like if, if you're on thyroid replacement, it's the same thing. But right. no one thinks you're cheating or, you know, it's taboo if you're on thyroid meds. But if you're on testosterone, it's like, oh. You know, so that's a yeah, that's a really good point because it's definitely um, a stigma attached to testosterone therapy, and I think it's kind of just part of people just not understanding mm -hmm. um, to the degree that you know. Um, I mean, it's like they think you're cheating or something, especially for males, especially for younger males that have some fat loss or physique-related goals. Is like. Um, you know, you kind of want to do it naturally, but if something's going on in your body to the degree that you're not producing enough of the testosterone, then you need therapeutic doses potentially okay. if you're doing everything else, quote unquote, the right way. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of automatically want to correlate it to like using anabolic steroids or something like that. And people just not really understanding that there's a very significant difference, especially related to the how we use it in therapeutic doses. Oh, big time. The, the, the difference is massive. And, you know, I say I have like maybe three or four guys right now who are on it. You would never be able to tell by looking at them. So they don't explode into massive muscle. I mean, I'm sure some people would be glad for that to happen at a therapeutic. Sure. Shift. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. just doesn't. <laughs> Yeah. And with that said, then you get a whole nother subset of guys that are like, I will do anything I can to put on muscle and get shredded. And they think that's the, you know, that's the panacea. That's the answer is, um, just getting on TRT therapy and their lifestyle still, they're not sleeping and they're eating junk and they're overly stressed out and all those types of things. So let's say we, uh, you know, 
we've run all the blood work and they're working with their doctor, whether or not they're on TRT is, is certainly up to their medical professional. But from your standpoint, from the fitness and, and nutrition expert standpoint, what are we doing um, you know, as a means to get their body to start to produce the amount of testosterone that they need? And what, do we, what can we really control for from that standpoint? So the variables that fitness professionals can control is uh, diet and training and, um, you know, biochemistry, like you can always suggest blood work. Um, I don't go there initially. I just ask in my first interview, have you ever had blood work? 90% of the time the answer is no, or blood work meaning Mm -hmm. like testosterone levels, not just CBC. Um, And usually the answer is no. And that gives me a general idea. And a lot of my guys, love their doctor. They have the best doctor in New York city. So, you know, I have to kind of tiptoe and, you know, cause who am I? Some blonde fitness professional. What do I know about, you know, men's hormones. But, um, once we start digging deeper into a lot of their lifestyle factors, then it's like, all right, I have an understanding of what direction we can go if we need to get blood work, because usually as clients or as clients progress and they see results, they plateau but sometimes they'll plateau and we, there's nothing that we can do to get them out of that. And we've controlled diet. We've controlled lifestyle as best mm. as we can and training. So sometimes it is the biochemical factor that takes place. But aside from that, food logs, awesome. Um, it used to be a pain in the ass for a lot of people. But if they're very militant in the way that they do things and structured, they're going to love it. You know, they're going to love logging and just seeing the numbers, especially if they're finance people. Um, but it just gives you the reality of like, all right, what am I taking in? Because without weighing food so much or understanding what you're taking in, seeing it in front of you, that helps a lot. And then being able to gauge how much exercise someone needs is based on how can they recover. Yep. Um, you know, whether or not you get blood work, Still, you're going to understand how your client recovers based on subjective measurements before each session. All right, how's work this week? What is the stress level? How much did you sleep? So things like that. Did they have a new baby? Mm-hmm. Um, side note, uh, men who have a newborn baby, usually their test levels drop for about a year. So yeah, understanding well, what's going on in life, you know. I have three three young kids. And I think that uh, my testosterone levels have yet to recover. So <laughs> this is, this is a motivating talk for me to go get, go get tested. Cause it's actually been quite a while. Um, you know, you mentioned food logs and I find immense value in food logs. And I think it's worth just talking about for a second, but what do you see as being, you know, if that's something that's a first step that you implement with your, your trainees, what do they typically notice and, uh, you know, what steps kind of does it cause them to take when they first start logging their foods? Um, honestly, a lot of the time they don't really notice anything other than this is what I'm eating. And I have mm-hmm. to point out your protein's really low, yeah. your vegetable, vegetable intake's really low, and often the total caloric intake for what their output is is quite low. I tell them I eat the same amount that they are. Um, So it's usually upping the vegetables, upping the protein. And I try to keep it so basic. And and Jim Brown actually drills this into me too. Protein, vegetables, that's it. And I tell them, go out to dinner, double vegetables, substitute the starch. If you're going to drink alcohol, have alcohol with protein and vegetables, but don't have alcohol with starch. You can't have both. You can pick one or the other. If you want dessert, no drinks. If you want to drink, no dessert because... Alcohol gets preferentially metabolized. Everything else kind of gets put on the back burner, more likely to be stored as fat. The thermic effect of protein and vegetables combined with alcohol, which actually has a pretty high thermic effect, is on the safer side if you're good, you know, because a lot of my guys have to. A lot of people want to live their life. So it's not cut it cold turkey, but understand the impact if you drink X amount of alcohol, that this is what's going to happen. So, so you find that you find that with your clients, it's still cool for them to drink and they can still get good results even when they are consuming alcohol. Yes. How much of that? Um, 
once or twice a week. You know, yeah. I tell them, well, I have these business dinners and, yeah. you know, okay, club soda and lime after your first drink. It looks like an alcoholic drink. And yeah. if you're, you know, so worried about not drinking alcohol because of a social thing, we have to work on your personality. <laughs> so that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, if you need, yeah, if you need it to just be, to be social or, you know, using it completely as a stress response or something like that, then it's a completely another issue. But um, that's, that's important though. I mean, and, and it's, it's valid because so many of us do entertain or, you know, we like to be social and right. we, we also like to consume alcohol. Yeah. And is it something, you know, that we can, by manipulating those other variables like your nutrition and just sticking with meat and veggies and minimizing the starchy carbs, then that's a, a pretty good solution. Whereas a lot of times people would say, well, either I can't drink at all, or if I do drink, screw it, and I'm going to eat everything in sight. And so to have some of those rules in place, I think is very valuable. It, it's huge. It is so basic and it's easy for people to follow for most people. Um, I mean, I can, I can tell you a story. You know, a lot of people like to talk about their client successes. I can talk about my client failures. I have one guy who's an online nutrition client and he, you know, is flying every week, stressed out, owns a business, travels so much, um, was eating five Quest bars a day. Oh and that makes my stomach hurt just thinking about that. But stuff skin, disgusting. Oh, so, you know, he needs convenience foods. So mm -hmm. I said, all right, let's switch to some <clears throat> Epic bars and, and, you know, eat some of the jerky. Well, when he was home, he was still living on Quest bars and jerky. And I'm like, dude, real food when you're home. Well, yeah. I, I can't, I can't make, okay. Got him hooked up with a meal prep service, but he wasn't ordering enough. So he started snacking on Quest bars. And I said, we need to do one Quest bar a day. That is our limit. Couldn't change it. And I'm looking at his food log every day, three Quest bars, this, that. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, what is the problem? And, and I think some people think that when they click pay with the credit card that you buy a trainer or nutrition coach that equals results right away. Well, there is some work you have to do. You know, it's habit change. It's, it's, it's a big habit change. And he didn't understand if he had, you know, 2,400 calories in quest bars versus 2,400 calories in real food, what the difference is. And I said, you have a digestive system for a reason. You're not getting any micronutrients. This is going to keep your hormone levels more optimal and your body's just going to function. So from a health standpoint going forward, this is so you can actually assimilate and absorb your food going throughout your life. Cause he's a triathlete too. So mm. they need to take in a lot. And some people are very hard headed and, and they just want to do things their way. Yeah. So, yeah that's, that's crazy. Um, that's a lot of quest bars. So what are, yeah. what are some other things that you utilize with your clients to help them kind of optimize their testosterone levels and help them with, you know, losing weight? I mean, so, you know, a, a lot of your, your clients are golfers and I'm assuming, you know, one of their main goals is certainly improve their golf game, but I'm also assuming that they have aesthetic goals as well. Oh, yeah. And so, um, and especially, probably being fat loss. So what, what are kind of some of the things that are your go-to for helping them improve um, body fat composition? So getting them sleeping, uh, getting anybody sleeping, really, um, you, you, the most depleted nutrients from lack of sleep and stress is zinc, magnesium, uh, vitamin D6, and pretty much vitamin D. So I ask them if they're supplementing, and if they're not, then I can confidently have them supplement with that without having to test them if they're actually deficient in that, which of course should be the way to go. But I, I don't know anybody who's been sufficient in magnesium and it really does help with sleep and so many metabolic uh, things in our body. So that's one of the things that, you know, I'll do, especially, you know, here in the Northeast where right now it's gloomy out and gross. Yep. So we're, we have lack of sun. Um, and then, with their workouts, um, you know, it's the, a lot of the subjective stuff. Every day I ask, how is stress? Did we travel this week? What's work like? What's home like? You know, really dig in, you know, because if we're scheduled to, you know, do 3RM rack pulls or whatever, you know, maybe we're a little bit too fatigued for that. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, it's understanding, all right, what can we program for the week to get them on the path towards being able to drop body fat? And they want, I need them to get at least one heavy workout in a week. Um, and then that's usually total body, but it'll start with a main lift, like a deadlift or a squat or a variation of something like that. Um, and then later in the week, maybe more accessory work in a circuit format. And depending on what their schedule is, try to get them to go walk mm -hmm. because walking has really no impact on their appetite. It lowers cortisol. It, helps insulin sensitivity and you know it, it gets them it gives them the outlet outlet that they crave where they can do phone calls and work and all that stuff um, but without causing further damage or more stress yeah that's that's really helpful and something we've talked a, a lot about as of late that there's a difference between exercise like structured exercise and movement and we need to be moving on a daily basis and you know there's just low intensity walking consistently kind of that 10,000 steps a day but it's it's you know modulating the amount and intensity of actual structured exercise that we can utilize to help us manage our our um, sympathetic nervous system and our kind of stress response and so I like how you talked about how you're kind of subjectively asking them these questions before every training session. And so I'm assuming you have kind of a plan in place of what you'd like to get done that week. And then you can kind of just mix and shuffle things around based on how they're showing up and their kind of readiness level. Yeah. Cause we're not all, you know, fortunate to have an omega wave to be able to, right. um, you know, determine that or, or use HRV. So, um, you know, what are the ways that we can as fitness professionals gauge that because you, the last thing you want to do is cause any harm to somebody and you want, you still want to, you know, have them leaving feeling good. But if you're training somebody two to three days a week, you know, you need them to come back, you know, as fresh as possible and then understand what is the cost of that training session. Because if you do go balls to the wall, then the cost is going to be greater than it would if you put on the brakes a little bit and they may not feel so hot the later in the mm -hmm. week or they may injure themselves. So what, what are, are there any objective tools that you give your clients to utilize when they're not with you to be able to track kind of their readiness levels, whether it's heart rate variability? I mean, do you have your guys do that? Do they record kind of their sleep? Um, do you have them continue to monitor food through apps what, what do those types of tools look like uh food logging yes not everybody does it um because some of my guys don't care like i, I have a couple guys who are late 60s early 70s yeah. they just want to lift heavy they, they don't they don't care what they look like yeah. um which is respectful respectable um but on the road i do have them track their sleep i give them workouts to do on the road that are usually quick efficient circuits because hotel gyms usually have dumbbells which is fine um some of them I have tracked their temperature in the morning to see how their metabolism is going. They usually all track their sleep. I think I mentioned that. Um, and then they don't track heart rate variability, but some of them have it on some of the contraptions that they have on their watch and stuff. So, what, what, app do the, what app do you use to have them track their sleep? I, I don't even know the name, but they all have different ones. So, oh, okay. Um, but I think Fitbit, uh, Fitbit, has its own or something okay cool yeah i mean there's a bunch of different sleep yeah, apps so that's cool I but tell them download whichever one works with whatever device that they have well a lot of times these guys are pretty numbers oriented so they really like getting that kind of data and it almost becomes competitive for themselves you know to try and like optimize their sleep and have the longest running you know or deepest REM sleep most consistently and stuff like that. So I, I think those types of tools are phenomenal for that, that yeah. type of population. Definitely the sleep tracking. Um, I made one of my guys who would come in, he literally uh, works with West coast timing. So he would come in not sleeping at 6am for a session mm. or he'd come off a red eye or he would get two to three hours like max. And I'm like, dude, this is not going to fly. And he, wanted me to be proud of him for showing up still. Right. And I'm like, you're not getting a medal for this. I, I really would love for you to go home and go to bed, um, but you're paying me, you know, so we have to do something. I get it. Um, so I had him starting tracking and then actually he became competitive with his son about steps to get during the day. And that made a big change for him because he realized how important sleep was. Cause I'm like, you're, you're just, 
you know, you're having six venti coffees a day. Like that's oh, what man. you're running on, you know, and he, he refused to eat a carb. So some people are a project, which is, which is fine, but it's, you know, baby steps, but that was huge for him to see in front of him. The numbers like, wow, I really am getting three and a half hours of sleep. Like that's not good. Yeah. So, you know, and rather than lecture them, I let them see the data for themselves and blood work actually works really well for that as well, because if they do have any cardiac issues or they're lower in testosterone or something that they didn't think, and then they see it on paper, they're like, oh my God, I might die. That's quite impactful, you know? Yeah. So. Are there any resources that you refer your clients to, to help educate them on the impacts of environment of stress of low testosterone anything like that um so i have given a few of them the copy of jim and jay's book the the it used to be the testosterone replacement manual or the definitive testosterone yep. um the new one i was hoping it would come out before christmas so i could give it to everybody but they're slow so um <laughs> it's the uh testosterone optimization therapy Bible so that they yeah. created the new acronym because it's more optimizing and not really replacing so much. So um, their book is a great resource because it explains everything in English and it can be something somebody can give to their doctors that's not offensive because they cite all their studies and everything. Um, yeah. Their website TRT Revolution is where I direct everybody when they have questions, you know, if you really want to read more about side effects of TRT or does it really cause prostate cancer, which it doesn't, um, you know, and just more in-depth information, then that's a great website. Um, my, my friend Jade Tita, who is a naturopath. I just a, interviewed him yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> He's like one of my good friends. Um, I learned a ton from him initially, I actually started following him maybe like six years ago. Yep. And so he's a wealth of info. So his website, yes. Metabolic Effect, you know, he's very long winded. So his articles are like, you know, pages. Um, he likes to talk. He's a great dude. He's a great like, dude, but he can so go. He listen can to go. his podcast with you when it comes out. Um, yep. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much because those are kind of like English speaking sites, you know, versus like, well, here's a PubMed study that doesn't make any sense to somebody. So no, that's good. Can, and those sorry. are great. Those are all great resources. Um, I've had Jay, I've had Jay on the show before. And so we yeah. all know dude's super smart when it comes to TRT. And so by the time this comes out, I'll provide a link to their new book um, about testosterone optimization. And, um, you know, for those people that are listening, I mean, we're talking about a lot of the same things over and over and over again, but hopefully it's starting to sink in and one of the reasons we started this this podcast is so that it's not me just regurgitating this stuff, but these are health professionals that are getting great results from all over the world um, and making massive impact in our industry. And so hopefully it's sinking in that it's it's just not as easy as doing the latest fad diet. It's not as easy as just going keto to be your the solution to all of your problems. It's not as easy as just you know, starting to crush yourself with, with CrossFit workouts or, you know, metabolic training is, is there significant amount of nutrition and lifestyle factors, much more significant than the type of exercise that you're doing. And Ali, I think you'd probably agree with that. Um, which for me, yeah. And for me, that was something that was really frustrating when I was training because I trained clients for about 12 or 13 years and I found myself becoming increasingly frustrated with the fact that people are paying really good money to come in and work out and I'm trying to give them the best workouts possible and help them reach their body composition goals and their health related goals, but not having control over what they're doing the other 23 hours of the day. And as I started to learn more and more, really understand that those 23 hours matter so much more than just the time that we're spending in the gym as valuable as it is as and as much as that contributes to everything else um, and so this is you know part of our, our mission to help people make smart nutrition simple help people make healthier decisions that are going to support them for their lifetime and move people away from just the, the crazy nonsensical 
shit that they're seeing on you know websites and through social media and through BS Instagram every single day. Um, so I have immense amount of appreciation for people like you, Ali, that are are doing great things, spreading great information, continuing to educate yourself, and you know not only working with just general population, but you're you're you know you're also educating other trainers. And so, I mean, that's the ultimate um, of of just think how many people that those trainers are going to then turn around and affect in a positive way. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for everything that you're doing and for taking the time to come on the show. Alia, uh, where can people find out more about you? Um, I'm on Facebook as myself. Um, my business page is metabolic golf. Uh, my Instagram is metabolic golf and my Twitter is metabolic golf. Um, and my website is metabolicgolf.com. Um, so off my website, you can find a link to the Greenwich Diagnostic Sports Lab, which is our blood work company, if somebody's interested in that. But I'm all over social media, and I tell people, please don't hesitate to reach out, ask questions. I really do love talking about this stuff yes. um, because, you know, people feel like they're bothering you, but I, I'd rather them ask me than try to Google something or go on YouTube and read it in a magazine. So, Yeah, and um, I follow you on Facebook, and I really, I mean, that's how I – ended up wanting to reach out before even realizing that, you know, we have a ton of mutual um, professionals in, in common, you know, friends in common, but, yeah. but um, make sure you guys follow Ali on Facebook. I don't really do too much with the other platforms, so I don't know how active you are or not, but you're, you're definitely a wealth of knowledge on Facebook and, and, you know, funny and, and really have some engaging posts. And so, uh, make sure you guys uh, take a second to go follow her there. And uh, yeah, Ali, thanks so much. We're going to have to do it again soon. Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's really fun. I'm, I'm honored to be on here because, you know, the word needs to get out. So it's a collective effort with all of us to, you know, continue to fight the good fight. <laughs> well, keep up the good work. and We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Allie Gilbert. Make sure to check out the show notes over at bslnutrition.com slash episode 31. And make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review in iTunes so that we can help more people make smart nutrition simple. This episode was brought to you by BSL Nutrition and the Complete Essentials All-in-One Training Drink. If you've been looking for a comprehensive workout supplement that can help support great energy, both in and around your workouts, as well as reduce muscle soreness without any of the caffeine or artificial sweeteners, then head over to bslnutritionshop.com and type in podcast at checkout for 15% off your first purchase of either the grape and or the lemon lime complete essentials.